0: That's another one of those things that they don't teach you in uh, film school is um, that day where you're all set to do this cool scene and you're talking to the actors and then all of a sudden you go, oh, I guess we should discuss the idea that you're going to spit into his face. (laughs) 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 (laughs)
1: Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins.
2: All right, everybody, welcome to the Cincast. This is Chris Atkinson from Cinema Sins, joined by Barrett Scherer from Cinema Sins. Hello. And Jonathan Watkins from Cinema Sins. Hello, hello. And today we've got two special guests, two yeah. directors of a movie called Becky coming out, I believe June 5th. Correct. Is that what I was June Correct. 5th. Yeah. We have Jonathan Malott and Carrie Mernion here. Yay. Hey, how you um, doing? Thanks for having me. Hey. Uh, thank you for, uh, for uh, agreeing to, to come on. We love talking to directors on, uh, on the syncast and everything and trying to figure out your, your process and your thoughts and all that. And uh, we've all watched the movie Becky and, uh, uh, and it uh, immediately stands out for several reasons. Uh, yeah. Like, I don't even know where to start. Um, but I, I think we should start with Lulu Wilson, mm-hmm. uh, because not only is she the title character, but how do you get a child actor to the place that she's in, in this movie? <laughs> well, we were extremely lucky
0: because, um, we got to work with the, the amazingly talented Lulu Wilson. Um, if you've seen her in anything else, you you kind of know that she's special and, and is um, going to become a, a massive, massive star at some point, um, because from the time she was um, you know, tiny and working in uh, horror movies like Ouija, um, up through some of the more recent stuff, um, you just see that she has a level of maturity and a talent. Uh, that combination in, in someone her age is so rare. Um, and to be able to, to work with someone like that um, in, a, in a movie like this, um, it really the movie doesn't work unless uh, you you can have someone that talented holding it all together. Um, on a technical level, you know it's really difficult to film with child actors because you you have so little time with them on set, uh, especially at night. Um, there was there was some night some days where we were doing the night shoots and we had probably less than three hours to work with her. Um, so that oh, creates all kind fun. of complications where we would be filming her her coverage. Uh, on one side of uh, a location, um, and then the, of course, the over the course of the scene, she moves to the other side of location, and we cover, do all of her coverage, and then she goes, and we have to go back to the beginning, reset the cameras in that, you know, the and, you know, do the opposite side of the the conversation, you know, we would do um, then Kevin James's coverage, um, but without her, with a stunt double um, over the stunt double's shoulder. And, um, it's just complicated. It makes things like remembering eye lines, you know, the most basic, simple things that when you're doing normal coverages, is is pretty straightforward and simple. Um, it adds a level of complication and, um, uh, kind of hesitation in at three in the morning when you're exhausted and (laughs) and trying to figure things (laughs) out. But, uh, she, she made it so much, she made it doable really. and, And that goes from that technical aspect all the way to the, the more emotional and, um, the, the real hard part, which is her conveying that she is either terrified or sad or any number of conflicting emotions that we we forced her to do. Yeah. <laughs> or pissed off. Yeah, pissed <laughs> off, yeah. Oh my God, she can get pissed off and it's terrifying. But then the minute the camera stops rolling, she's laughing, playing with the dogs and having a great time. So um, we're lucky that we're behind the camera because um, I, I don't know how she does it in front of <laughs>
2: i was i was i was actually about to ask because the it's it seems like an extremely physical performance but you are also cutting i knew that you had a stunt double somewhere in there but um but like it still feels like she's doing a lot of physical stuff in this even though she's got a double is that right i mean definitely
3: it was was almost like uh, I mean, the stunt double was used a lot, as John said, more as like a stand-in for when we we didn't have that, we didn't have Lulu around. But when you see, Lulu's doing like lots of that stuff. I mean, she's jumping on the backs of guys, she's running through the woods, she's she's up on the up up on her fort. I mean, so is she actually, we had to kind of like stop her from doing things because you know there's certain rules, but she would have done everything if she could have.
2: Yeah it uh, it reminds me it reminds me of like uh, young Chloe Grace Moretz when she's yeah. in uh, Amityville Horror and she's on the top of that roof and that's like actually her on top of the roof and, and they had to like restrain her because you know like look you know uh, we got to make this safe and everything yeah she, she kept um, on
3: asking us she kept on asking us can can I do this and we'd have to you know just, you know talk with the stunt coordinator kind of see what can be done and it was always like this. It's like where's the limit of the things, and you know we want it to feel like because she was thirteen and because the character's thirteen, like have that be as real as possible, but keep it safe.
2: Yeah, um, for if you've got if you've gotten uh, somewhat through this interview and wondering what this movie's about, I I I almost classify this as like teenage girl die hard, which makes it sound horrible, um, <laughs> but it's like die hard. This movie's like die hard. <laughs> yeah.
0: That, I mean, that's one of our favorite movies, so we love that reference. Uh, the, the, the The short pitch that we like to give is that uh, it's an ultra-violent Home Alone uh, with a female uh, 13-year-old girl protagonist. Um, but one of the ones we've heard in the last few weeks is, a, is a, a slant on that, which we love too, is uh, Home Alone uh, with a little bit of cocaine Rambo.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yes. and Rambo. Yes. It also, weirdly, I kept thinking of Straw Dogs. While yeah, I was yeah, watching, of it. of course, of course, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's a there's a Don Coscarelli movie from the '80s called Survival Quest, and mm. uh, oh. that was one that kept popping up in my head. But yeah, no, it was a very cool mashup of all of, of, of different types of genres, which is always fun. Survivalist horror is actually one of my favorite, uh, you know, types of horror. Um,
3: yeah, and another yeah. movie that we always reference for tone is uh, Green Room. Um, it's not in terms of like obviously the story, but like the yeah the being mm-hmm. caught in a place and. You know, like kind of starting off in a, in a you know, it's a band of people kind of that you wouldn't think they would have to. They don't, they weren't trained. They're just kind of like regular people who are put in a situation where they have to fight their way out of it. And this is kind of that situation where, you know, Becky, you know, she's not, some, she's not Hannah, who had been trained by her for her whole life by her dad to fight people. And she, <laughs>
0: she's
3: just like a regular girl who's, who has, you know, some, some, some emotional problems you know based upon some parts of her family and what happened to her family and now she has she's pushed to the brink of of doing something that she you know d- doesn't want to do but has to do so i think that's you know that's this green room kind of has that that kind of sense of these people pushed to the brink they have to
4: do what they have what what happens in that movie
2: well uh, and they're
1: also nazis
4: yeah neo nazis i was going to say yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah i was about yeah. to say like the that's the main uh the other main thing that you're going to you're going to have questions about with this movie is the casting of kevin james as a nazi
3: (laughs) and remember like seeing patrick stewart as a nazi and groom Mm -hmm. how yeah like how he played that and like how surprising that was and you know the character of dom um in in our movie with kevin james is a complete kind of different character but we still thought, thought there was like you know having kevin be that that charming charismatic kind of person who can draw you in to his world and then flip it is something that was really interesting to us.
2: Yeah. It's always frightening when you see somebody who is uh, you know, this is King of Queens and hitch uh, and everything. And then you see a darker side out of them. Uh, like you used to see with like Robin Williams and people like that. Uh, yeah. When they, when you'd seen them so in so many comedic performances and everything, how did, how did, uh, how did ca- the casting of Kevin James happen?
0: Yeah, it's kind of a kind of a weird roundabout, uh, atypical story for in terms of casting. Um, But just to touch on what you were just talking about, it's too bad that, um, you know, maybe at a drive in, we'll be able to see some reactions, but it is the type of thing that we kind of wish we could have seen in the theater, Um, that the faces go from, oh, there's Kevin James to like, holy shit, what the hell is Kevin James talking about? <laughs> He's a racist motherfucker! Um, well, yeah, um, I mean,
1: the first shot of, of him in prison when he takes the, the hat off, yeah. it's just like, oh, shit, that yeah, it's, yeah. it's a different type of thing here. It's yeah.
0: legit, yeah, right away, you know. Um, so in terms of the casting, it was, uh, um, we all, we feel a little funny talking about it because it was, it, it was weird. It wasn't just like, oh, we wanted Kevin James. We already knew it was going to be Kevin James. Uh, let's go get Kevin James. It was more that we knew we wanted uh, uh, to, to kind of cast uh, against type. And that's why we originally were talking to uh, Simon Pegg. Um, mm. So, it, you know, it's, it's out there and every, you can read about that. He was on board to, to, to star in this. Um, but due to some scheduling conflicts, he had a fallout. Uh, and in that time, we had already cast Kevin as the father, uh, Becky's father, uh, the role that Joel McHale ended Oh, up wow. In. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh Basically, Simon bailed out or had to bail. And uh, Kevin, who was already talking with us, was like, hey, you know, I've been reading this script and I I really love this this role. You know, what do you think? Uh, So that kind of opened up the dialogue. And since it wasn't, you know, if you kind of do a mental shift from what we were thinking with Simon and and to put it on Kevin um, in terms of uh, roles they've done before, it was it was a very cool shift, um, especially when you think of um, how now how kevin looks you know that he had shaved his head you know he has this gigantic beard and he does have a a level of physicality um that he could bring to the role um so we talked to him and um, we got on the same page tonally um immediately we're just like really excited um about everything that he could bring to it and he he you know immediately wanted to peel back the character a bit peel back some of the dialogue uh really simplify it so he could um you know, play it in an understated, um, more, um, more play it more through the performance rather than just a lot of ta- dialogue and, and spouting stuff. Even though he still says a bunch of crazy stuff, which is awesome. Um, <laughs> it, it, you know, he was really on board with um, making it more about the subtle performance. Well, he was. He was even involved with uh, picking out some of the tattoos. You know, we love. Wow collaborating and especially with something as sensitive as that we weren't just about to be like here put this gigantic tattoo in the middle of your forehead and that's the end of the story um we, we definitely talked to him about all those crazy symbols that he has all over his body
4: well and that tattoo worked on a couple of different levels for me because it was a it was just it was creepy but b yeah. just the pain that that character would have had to gone through to get that Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, just the intensity of it, you know, you're just like that just adds a whole other level to just how how demented and how you know dangerous well, he could be.
1: You think about pain. There's a few moments in this movie where it, it, it looks like he's obviously impervious to pain. Uh, one one in particular that stands out really from the <laughs> oh entire movie oh uh, that, that that is spectacular in a way to me. The horrific, that's Evil Dead comic horror type uh, uh stuff, and and I just absolutely loved it. And also, it it informs the character. It says this guy is going to do whatever he needs to do to get the job done.
2: Yeah,
0: and uh, th- without giving too much away, that was probably the most I have ever laughed on a on a, on a movie set was. <laughs> As Kevin James is you know, going through take after take of um, working on this, uh, I, the, without spoiling it, self-surgery, um, he was just screaming. And there were times where the, the surgery wasn't working, like the prosthetic was giving him trouble. And he's screaming and grunting. <laughs> And exactly, we're behind the camera like you know, tears coming out of our eyes, trying not to, fu- to just laugh our, our, our t- eyes out. But at the same time, you're, you're wondering, "Wait a minute, is Kevin getting frustrated? Is he actually in pain?" And so you're, you're holding in all these emotions. Uh, and then finally, when the, you know, we finally yell, "Cut," he just you know lets out some typical Kevin James hilarity, and we all that the whole, you know, the whole <laughs> cast and crew just breaks down. It was such a fun moment. But
4: that, that was probably just running the mill for him. I mean, the stuff you yeah. can only imagine Sandler's done to him uh, oh, yeah. in yeah. some <laughs> of his movies.
0: Oh, I can't there. I mean, yeah, at, at any moment we're dealing with some pretty intense stuff here. And if he's not on camera, he's just, you know, doing something hilarious and, and trying to <laughs> to mess us up. So yeah, it was, it was, it was fun, but uh, a challenge to stay focused. But, but as you
3: said, like it does, it does deal with the character of like, that he's so single-minded and what he's going to do. And, how he's going to get it, and you know, we talked a lot about control with his character, about him him feeling like he had control. I mean, he'd been thinking about this for so long. He'd been in prison for you know over ten years, and like I'm, I'm going to go back and get this, get this key, and this will be, this is how the things will go. And then this little girl gets in his way, and he he slowly starts to lose control. And he's always trying to like keep that control, and, and it goes in and out. And that was that was like our job with with Kevin to like work on that like how does that control how does, how does that kind of break out and how does he keep it in and that scene with um, that we're talking about like that was not going to let him get that was not going to stop him and he wanted to like get done with it and then move on and get, yeah. get what he was there for so i mean it, it was a character moment mixed in with this kind of really you know in, intense physical uh pain that he was going through you know that that becky gave to him uh, and, you know, when we're, you know, we're talking about some of our favorite movies in terms of these revenge movies. And, you know, there's movies like old boy where you know, he goes and he takes out the teeth of the guy who like kept him in his, mm-hmm. in his, in his room. Like we, you know, this is going to be, we want to be that intense with what Becky does to go, go after people that came after her.
2: It's very easy to uh, write a character like this too, uh, as that, as his racism is the only thing about him and i'm kind of glad that we you know we uh we see that right off the bat and it's not the only thing about his character right. we just yeah. know that and it's not hammered into our heads uh over and over i really appreciated that part of mm-hmm. it and everything very much so yeah i mean he uh, talks
3: about family i mean he talks about like you know he's he's created a family there and 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 Ape, and his relationship with apex is a huge part of you know and apex is dealing with what where he where he is in life is is uh, it's a big part of like why things are the way they are, and um, you know, Kevin, in terms of the character that he's building with Dom, he wanted to really kind of make sure that like there was a there was a brotherhood there, and beyond the the racism thing, it was like they've they've been doing this for this long, and now is the time to do this together, and it was it was like someone had betrayed they betrayed each other, like they were brothers.
2: Yeah, yeah, uh, that scene between him and I get is the actor's name Robert Maillet?
3: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. He's um in uh, pacific rim yeah he's, he's really
2: great he's he's terrific too um uh his character is is pretty complex uh just uh, um you know it, it seems like a a lot of the piss has been taken out of him over the years and uh he's willing to do this job but uh you can tell sort of that I, I i love the i love that scene Cause he where he's saying we're kevin we're uh, I'll call him by his character name. Dominic yeah. is telling him, um, you know, he, he's, te- he's telling him that we've been, been doing this for we're it'll be the last time we have to kill any kids. And yeah. he knows that this isn't the last time. It's never the last time we're always looking for, you know, we're always looking for that. Uh, whenever we have something in our way, we're going to do whatever we have to do to, to keep it that way.
3: Exactly. Yeah. That, that's, that's such a great kind of, uh, analysis of that, because I think you know, Apex knows that there's, there's, there, there's never a last time with, with Dom, and Dom keeps on pushing him, keeps on pushing him, and he's, he's getting to that, that brink of, of what he can take. And,
0: and we love the idea that in the end, um, just the ambiguity of who actually is the bad guy, um, who actually is making maybe a more morally and ethically just Decision towards the end. Um, I think that we 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 present some questions there um, because yeah maybe um, you know someone typically on the the antagonist side starts making decisions that might be a little bit more um, ethically right, um, whereas someone on the the protagonist side um, you know just has gone down that road of revenge and and there's no turning back. Um, but does you know does does the, the revenge in the end? Kind of justify uh, the, that the, the decisions that are made. Um, so hopefully th- there's a little bit uh, to digest as you're leaving the theater, and, and a little bit you can um, you can discuss and, and converse about.
1: And may I say that 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 those role reversals uh, are done in such a hilarious way mm-hmm. uh, towards a, a specific part of this movie towards the end um, mm-hmm. that that. It, it it does have that subtext that you have there, but it's also will make you cry, laugh at some point yeah. too.
4: <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I was going to say the, the apex arc is really interesting. And I, I and the way you guys are kind of going off of what you guys were talking about. I'm really curious as, because I, I feel that like when I was watching it, you almost had to do it the way you did, because if apex is the main villain, then the movie's over in like 10 minutes. Right. Cause I mean, yeah. Robert, is literally like the most commanding presence I, you, mm-hmm. I've seen in cinema in a long time. <laughs> oh, wow. I don't That's know how cool. anybody could stop him. So I, I found that. So that, but then that worked so well for the movie itself. Cause God, he just, he just nails that performance. Uh, I think he's a secret weapon. I'm glad you guys uh, yeah, were able to uh, get him in the movie. Cause he's it's, awesome.
0: It's awesome because um, it, it's actually a really, really tough uh, role to cast. Cause it was written as a, uh, this, you know, really gigantic giant, um and there's only so many actors that are, are really tall um and so you know when you're you're trying to cast somebody uh, that fits that description you have a very small pool of people to p- pull from mm-hmm. and for the most part those guys just play thugs you know the silent thug or something like that so to the minute we got um uh, we were actually skyping with uh Robert uh for for the the you know to see if he would be right for the movie uh he just kind of showed us something almost more subtle and more reserved um, that we really love than most of the other guys that were just kind of big, almost like WWE kind of like, um, like they had been doing something in a, on a stage that they had to really overemphasize every movement and every bit of dialogue uh, to the extent that it just got uh, ridiculous. So he had a, a subtlety to him that um, was still, you know, like you say, can, can, can kind of command, um, the audio, you know, the attention while um, still just being like a, a face you can just stare at because it's it, it, it is almost unreal. He is, he is mm-hmm. this this gentle giant. Um, and and Apex,
3: the- Apex is sad. I mean, he's sad and broken. And and like so, so Robert had to internalize all the, a lot of that emotion without saying a lot. And that that's a very hard thing to do. It's, it's a lot. Of, it's one of the hardest thing is is to, is to, is to, to express something. Without having to say something, and he did an amazing job with that.
0: And just one more small thing with his height was that he is tall. He's about seven feet tall, which Deep. is ginormous in anybody's standards. But ironically, we cast joel McHale as the supposedly the kind of weak or like normal uh, kind of dad. Um, but it turns out joel McHale is like six foot five, or you know, he's ginormous <laughs> oh, wow. too. He lifts weight. He, he lifts weights, and he's just this big buff dude. So um, we're lucky we happen to have the one of the tallest actors working right now to (laughs) to offset Joel McHale.
2: Yeah. That, that scene between uh, Kevin James and, and, and uh, Apex, I was like, is Kevin James really that short? I I, I, yeah. I actually, I mean, he's like 5'8". He's perfectly yeah. <laughs> normal height. But I was like, this guy is just towering over him. Yeah. I mean, um, you can
0: see to just to 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 make that, just give you a sense of scale. You could see when uh, the Apex character would go through doorways, he would have to duck to get through the doorway. So, yeah, it's not that uh, uh, Kevin is obscenely short or anything. It's just that that guy's
2: really tall. Mm-hmm. The other, uh, actor that we haven't discussed is Amanda Bruegel, oh uh,
4: who
2: plays, who plays oh. Kayla. She's, she's great. Like, uh, some, some people out there may have seen her in Handmaid's Tale. Um, but, uh, she's fantastic as well. And I think it's a, a, a great character to have in this, uh, especially when you have, you know, you have, uh, all the, all the things that are swirling around in this movie. Uh, she's perfect. Yeah.
0: I think um a great way to 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 kind of summarize her was one of the first scenes we did with her was uh, was a very emotional scene where um you know a lot of bad stuff is happening so she's kind of freaking out and crying um so just you know getting the, to the place like that with with an actress is is intense you know when you're on set and the actresses are crying or or anyone's crying it's it's intense you know because if they're really doing it, which she really was, you know, bringing her own tears up, it's not like they just push a button and the tears start coming. They really have to get to an emotional place in their head and then that makes it so they're, they're legitimately, you know, sad and, and they're legitimately crying. You know, it's, it's acting, um, but, it you know, they have to get there if they're really going to do it. So she was getting there and um, it was intense. And I, I think we we had like it wasn't even a really uh, a direction. It was just a conversation with her on set is um, that the idea that, of course, she would be crying and she would be sad because of what just happened. But we also want her to be um, strong you know, we want to make sure that, uh, as the, the main black woman in this movie that she's represented as, um, as not someone who's just kind of swept away by all the actions and, and kind of, uh, a puppet in it or, or, you know, has no agency is that throughout the whole thing, she's a strong mother. Um, and she does the best she can, uh, with intelligence and, um, a kind of, uh, a strength that only a mother can have. Um, so in having that conversation with her when she was doing that first crying scene, she was just like, "Oh yeah, I got it," and was able to make that small tweak of uh, in the performance to make sure that that strength came across through a scene where she's crying. You know, it's like I, I, I can discuss that with an actress, but I don't know how I would implement it. So mm-hmm. to watch her take that note or that discussion and, and actually be able to execute it uh, uh, on the turn of a you know a, a, a shot was uh, really impressive.
4: Well, and speaking of Rambo, she kind of has a Richard Crenna, uh, you're going to mm-hmm. need more body bags moment. Uh, yeah. the, her big scene with Kevin James <laughs> yeah. when she's was, discussing uh, Becky. She yeah. was so
3: looking forward to that scene. And that was one of her, like, <laughs> you just tell, like, she was, ran- she was like, like, I think she kind of built up to that. And then it was just, she just couldn't wait to like go face to face with him. And it was, yeah. Yeah. One, one, one of the better <laughs> scenes of the movie, I feel like. It was
0: that 's another one of those things that they don't teach you in uh, film school is um, that day where you 're all set to do this cool scene, and you 're talking to the actors, and then all of a sudden you go, "Oh, I guess we should discuss the idea that you 're going to spit into his face <laughs> <There's everybody>, like, <laughs> now I mean I really don't know what we would do I mean obviously you would just you would just obviously face fake it right now with the pandemic, but um even then it's kind of like, uh, one of those weird conversations that you have to have as a director of, you know, are you okay? Can we yeah. really spit in your face? Um, you know, and, and then telling the actress that it's okay to spit in his face. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it was, it's just one it of
4: those was a things. good thing. You didn't cast Howie Mandel. Uh, I don't, I don't <laughs> think you would have gotten
3: that statement. <laughs> yeah. I saw, uh, I saw uh, on Amanda's uh, Instagram, she, uh, she kind of posted something about the movie and, uh, in the comments, she said like, uh, her mom, her her mom actually caught like said, "Oh, I'm so excited for, for the movie." And Amanda wrote back to her mom on Instagram saying, "I got to spit in Kevin James' face." Like she was, <laughs> she was like so excited. And then I think her mom wrote back and said, "What does that mean?" Or it was like it was like hilarious.
0: But Amanda's like,
3: she just felt like that's the kind of thing. She's super warm. In, in certain parts of it, and then she's like super strong and, and then she like gets the fight with Kat. Ke- like it was like a really fun part for her. And it was something that we hadn't seen from her uh, yet either.
2: Yeah. She knows immediately what the situation is and, and you know, Joel McHale's yeah. character is sitting there, wondering like oh well if we just do what they want and we'll get out of here and she's like nope, that's not the way this thing works and uh and and without spoiling this scene too i love too when when she has to swear in front of her son (laughs) and and then and then explain exactly and when he brings when he calls her out on it She's yeah. like, well, you ha-, you know, this is why you do that yeah. <laughs> and everything. It's a it's a fantastic uh, performance and character. Uh, it, it it sneaks up on you because at first, you know, she's she's the other woman, she's the replacement mom or whatever, yeah. so to speak, and and uh, and and it, and it, it could easily just end there because a lot of movies do that. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't do that here.
3: Yeah, it, we hopefully subvert that kind of character, and it's it is usually a character that. You kind of you feel like you know what's going to happen, and it's not the way at all with
2: her. Um, so, one of the things that I've always wondered about is you have, so you, you both are, are directors on this movie. So, how does that work? Do you, do you have, is one of you better at one thing and the other is better at another thing? Or is it just you kind of, I've got an idea, let me take the reins here? How does that work?
0: Well, obviously I'm just better at everything. So uh mm-hmm. no. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. It's very, very clear. And uh, answer.
3: There's the answer right there.
0: Okay. That's, great. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Next question. No, um, no, we've been, we've been working together for, for years. Um, there was a point where, um, I think when we got to 10 years of working together, I, I told Carrie, I think, I don't think we have to tell the exact date anymore. Let's just say over 10 years. Um, and, and now it's almost reaching double that. So, um, yeah, we've, we've lived a lifetime together and, um, we kind of say we're like brothers in the sense that we can, um, we can kind of go at each other's throats at times, but then turn around and um, forget it. Um, You know, realizing that, uh, you know, usually it's just in the form of our passion for the work and um, you know, we're both passionate, we're both directors. So um, really what, what ended up happening was we realized that um, for the sake of our relationship and for the sake of um, the best thing for communication on the set is to have um, one person lead, Uh, when we're on set Um, so what we do is we do a lot of prep we do storyboarding shot listing um, tons of work even before that in terms of mapping out the characters and the arcs and and really breaking down the script Um, and this is months and months of work before we even get on set so once we're on set we have one person lead and that usually means um, there's one person closer to the actors. They're really in the action on set, next to the cinematographer, um, really dictating how the set goes. In the in the normal sense of a director, um, and we have uh, we wear a, a comtech in the ear, and so then the other guy is back at the the monitors, and he's able to kind of assess the scene. Um, from a, from a more kind of calm standpoint, actually look at a big monitor, make sure visually everything is in line with what we've planned and communicate. There's a lot of communication back and forth. And really we, you know, we, at that point, we trust the lead for the most part. And only when uh, something really needs to be um, called the attention to do we, we slow down the, the, the set and um, just elevate it. But for the most part, the, the lead kind of takes control with the support of the person back at the video village.
3: And and at this point, we don't quite know how, how the, the singular directors kind of work because, you know, you kind of have to sacrifice one thing. uh, If you're, if it's just one of you, because you can't, or it has to be very slow where you are on the set, working with the actors, you call cut, you walk back to the bigger monitors, then you have, you know, replay to kind of see it. So it's, or, or you just don't see that, or you don't get to really actually, you know, see how how things played out. So, um, for us, it's kind of a good way to work. I'm, you know, it's obviously been happening for years, and it and people can do it. Um, but for us, it kind of works really well to kind of have these these two sets of eyes in two different places and and make these kind of um, both very in, in, you know intense movies that focus on acting and the and the, and the performance and also focus on uh, on, on how it looks. Cause I feel like we've heard directors say, well, I have to kind of like focus on one or the other. I have to like, you know, trust someone else to kind of look at the monitor or I have to trust them. I have to trust the actors to do what they do. Cause I'm back at the monitor. but We don't have to do that.
2: Yeah, I just uh, I was just uh, curious about that, and you guys have been doing it for so long now. Like you said, you you don't even know what it's like to be by yourself doing <laughs> it and everything. Uh, yeah. It would be I, I that's a that's an interesting take because uh, gosh, twenty years really.
3: Yeah, well, we met at school. We met. Uh, we, we went to art school together. Um, uh and so we went through school together we then started um working at we had a whole business where we were doing graphic design animation we had a company where we had employees and working with clients to kind of make uh, uh animations and films and then we uh we gradually started working together as directors and that led to where we are now but yeah we've been together since since college
2: <laughs> wow that's amazing um we, well, both there was some hair, the-
3: so, we both have gray hair so you know you know what that
2: oh is. yeah I I see your IMDb pictures. Definitely. Um, There was was something alluded to earlier in the conversation, Uh, but uh, you said that you wanted to have people leave uh, the theater thinking about stuff. And that's another thing I think that's good about this movie is that, that uh, even though a lot of this can seem like fun and games with some, uh, with some gore mixed in, um, Mm -hmm. Uh, it, the, it does leave you at the end going, Well, what happens to this person? Right. For all of this, mm-hmm. because there's a it, it, it's uh, it, it's one of those things where I was like, I think most movies would probably end on some sort of like, Well, we just don't know, but this actually kind of addresses that there might be some issues, mm-hmm. uh, later. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what was, where was the, is that, was that just in the original script or is that something that you guys kind of came up with?
0: Yeah, I think it's something we worked on with the, with the writers. Cause um, yeah, we originally got the script, um, you know, we pitched to, to do the script, but when we pitched, we pitched to make some, some significant changes. And um, one of you know, one of those was really working on the, the character of Becky and her motivations and, her point, and yeah. also and her point of view. Yeah. Really making this movie about her point of view. Um so, uh, and, and uh, yeah, I think that was one of the things that we we worked on was that ending, um, and we really love that idea of that it, it, yeah, I, I d- probably don't want to discuss it too much, but uh because I think it is something nice to kind of get at the end, but uh we like the idea of that it it's almost like breaking bad where um you know d- you still are you're still really invested in her character, but at what point is she, is she really just getting revenge or at some point does she start liking it? Um, And if, you know, if it's the latter, does, how does that affect her moving forward? And what does that mean in terms of her rest of her life? And is she scarred or is she um, just kind of flipped to the dark side or something? Um, But we, yeah, we, we love that idea
2: yeah great great part of it like i said I, I i don't i don't typically i have not typically seen anything like that in a movie uh where they where you address uh the maybe psychological issues that the uh that's that are that are going on i, mean, um, I think you have right? to i mean
3: when you have when you when you put this kind of um this premise in uh you know in in with with a 13 year old girl you have to address that if you if we didn't I feel like it'd almost be ir- irresponsible to kind of like to, to just to say okay well, we're gonna take you know this genre and just put it you know and just change it into this uh, you know a young person and not deal with how that how all doing all this can affect them um, because then then you're then you're almost like being exploitative I feel like and I think if you didn't deal with that then um, then what's the point of, of doing a movie like this?
1: Well, you, you set it up beautifully, too, because uh, one of my first notes that I wrote down is that uh, I've got a 12-year-old, so I've seen this quite a bit. Um, it's a, a great representation of teen angst, even from the beginning. Mm-hmm. You see her interactions with Joel McHale's character, with her dad, and to where she's just, you know, you can tell she's just got all this anger and she's got all this um, psychological stuff from environment and some from just being a teenager and yeah so when you when you set that stage early on you know the only time she smiles is when she gets out with the dogs really um and and then you can see after this series of events absolutely there would be some sort of effect because she was already on some sort of a trajectory being a regular teenager with all this stress and emotion yeah
0: yeah definitely i I think it it, it It's one of those questions that some people have asked about um just yeah how how does it even make sense for for a teenager to to get that crazy or react that way and I think like you're saying, anybody who's been around a teenager or a person that age knows how how short their tempers are and <laughs> how intense <laughs> and unforgiving they are it's it's not yep. like you know it's not like a teenager um just has the the skills the kind of um relationship skills or the societal skills or any type of uh, emotional skills to be able to you know kind of take something and move on it's like we've all seen th- how that can play out and it's just anger amplified
2: <laughs> um well i don't want to spoil too much more i could actually discuss a lot of other scenes in this but then uh, people who, uh, want to see this movie, you know, may, may, may hear too much at that point. Um, uh, anybody else, Jonathan Barrett, anybody, Any any other questions you guys have?
1: I do have a question because much like what you were talking about with Rambo, the, uh, the, the, the environment plays a big role in here. So where did you guys shoot this?
0: Oh, we shot it in, uh, outside of, uh, Toronto in Canada in the middle of nowhere. Oh, hmm. and- <laughs> Oh my God, it did, it did play, it did play a role um, between the insects and the snakes and uh, (laughs) the the poison ivy. Um, You know, that's just one of the challenges of uh, shooting on location is that you, you kill yourself, you know, um, location scouting and finding the place that can work the best and is is closest to the script and sets the tone you want, and then you find out that it's surrounded and by poison ivy. So, uh, so what do you do? Um, that sounds.
3: I mean, in poison ivy. You're like, oh wow, poison ivy. But it was like poison ivy. It was lining the the floor of of the forest with poison ivy, so that if you walked anywhere. We would get it. And then we had, a, you see like there's scenes where people are rolling around in on the ground. So we actually, uh, have a, we actually had to have a horticulturist come in, you know, find out where it is. And it wasn't just a little patch. It was everywhere. So
2: <laughs> it, was, it was like actually
3: a pretty big deal um, to do that. And, and we were, you know, it was like, we want to be authentic as possible. Like We want to feel like we were there and, and have this kind of messy, you know, woods. It wasn't some you know, you saw all the branches everywhere. We wanted to feel kind of almost like scary in a way as you're around there. So it was, um, it was a, it was a really kind of unique place to, to film that we were there for about 20, <laughs> 20 plus days, you know, with the, oh, wow. you know, we, we lived in a, a, a place that was close by and we'd kind of come every day to the set and just kind of like, and film our, our crazy little movie on, on this, in this house.
0: But <laughs> another, another funny little detail about the house when we were location scouting um, as it's, Per typical, you, you look around the house and we walk into this empty abandoned house, which is actually was scheduled to be, um, uh, destroyed so they could build a new house. But, uh, you walk into the, the master bedroom, which was this sprawling, um, a crazy looking open air bedroom that opened up to a gigantic master bathroom and right in the middle of this whole room was a gigantic hot tub so right away we're kind of like oh, this is kind of an odd uh, room um, <laughs> and then we, we keep looking and we move ac- away a bureau and find a trap door with a ladder <laughs> down into uh some sort of basement, uh, secret room. What? Uh, So we were like, okay, what is this? And then you go down into the secret room and there's, um, soundproofing. And, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was all, um, there was nothing, no furniture or anything left, but we, we could only imagine what had happened down there. Wow. (laughs) It's perfect for a horror movie. My God. done. It was, yeah. In in the in funny term, we never actually showed that room in the movie.
3: Oh, well, um, sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: That would have just taken it into a whole nother direction.
3: but the um, that the secret room is where Dom goes oh, down yeah, in the basement, yeah. and he the yeah. where he goes up the ladder. So if you remember the scene where Dom goes to look for the key, mm-hmm. and yeah. he and he goes the ladder that that where he goes right there. That's the where the trapdoor is to <laughs> the bathroom of the main bathroom of the house.
2: Is oh that my God! Crazy or what? <laughs> That's some crazy <laughs> shit, man.
0: Uh, or wait, you guys don't have uh, trapdoors in your 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 master bathroom? No, <laughs> no,
2: no,
1: no. no. Maybe we do. But we don't know. We need, need to start mean, moving bureaus. The yeah.
2: contractors asked yeah. if I wanted one, but I was like, <laughs> no, no, because we're really, not really property.
4: a basement county. There's not really basements <laughs> around yeah. here. Because
3: yeah. the original the original script, um, dot the, the what he was looking for was in the uh, the attic. And the house that we found didn't have an attic, at least one that we could go into. So mm-hmm. we had to kind of move things around. And we found that, that room that had this trap door. And I was like, oh my God, we can use this crazy trap door. <laughs> and then we, used, then we cut to somewhere else in the house. But like it was like, oh my God, this is like, it was exactly what we needed. And then even fucked up more than what we thought.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I rewatched uh, Cooties recently. Uh, wow. Which yep. which which I enjoy, uh, but um, I thought it was interesting. In a parallel, in a way, was that in Cooties? I guess semi spoilers for a movie from two thousand fourteen. You <laughs> kill all the kids. And <laughs> and then – and now we have a movie where all the kills basically are done by a kid. Uh-huh. Yeah. I didn't know. It was an interesting coincidence, I guess, in a, in a weird way for Our me. Our next
0: movie, we have to have um, <laughs> y- either all the kids kill again or we have maybe some like uh, elderly people take over. Mm, you gotta yeah. <laughs> yeah. It to it up. Or animals. <laughs> yeah.
1: Children of the cocoon. <laughs> <by>
0: <laughs>
3: The the children of the corn. (laughs) The way we talk about it is like Becky was one of the kids that got away from cooties, so she. she (laughs) And then our our second movie, Bushwick, we have Brittany Snow. um, She kind of Mm -hmm. she goes back, so we feel like Brittany Snow is the grown up version of Becky. So we're just following we're just following that character as she grows older. So next thing will have to be you know. Thirty-year-old and a four-year-old. was gonna kind of follow all of her through her whole life in different different scenarios, different genres,
4: different scenarios. I gotta say though, in Cooties, my my one of my favorite moments in any film in the last decade because we've all had that issue with getting the dollar bill uh, <laughs> in the vending machine to get yeah. that fucking candy bar, and you guys yeah. use that to create so much suspense. I mean, it's just it's an insanely it's a beautiful scene, and just like even even the the what Elijah Wood and um, Allison Pill have to do just to get to the vending machine, um, <laughs> just that that whole sequence is just brilliant. It was,
3: was diehard uh, diehard in a school to get to the vending machine. That's what that's what
4: yeah it nice.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I would love. I mean, I honestly would love to talk more about it, but again, I don't want to spoil too much.
1: Yeah, we want to we want to definitely save some uh, suspense. So it is coming out June fifth, correct?
3: Yeah, Correct. it's this Friday, and it's going to be um, in a, uh, almost fifty drive-in theaters around the country, a few hardtop theaters, and then on every kind of digital kind of platform that you um, that we you know from Amazon, yeah. iTunes, and any kind of digital thing. It's, it's, it's kind of this seems
4: so, perfect for the drive-in though. Like, yeah, I know yeah. you guys would obviously have rather have it in theaters, you know, but this seems like yeah. a perfect drive-in movie.
3: Yeah, I mean, it was we were originally going to. This is a Tribeca film, um, so you know when that got canceled, we. You know, we thought you know we let's 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 do this. Let's let's get into digital. We thought that was a good idea. But then when mm-hmm. drive-ins started to kind of be an option, we pushed really hard because we thought this is a movie that you know when we were young we saw some of these kind of rated R thrillers that kind of really had a big effect on us. And we thought well, you know let's see if we can get this into some drive-ins and. And have that experience, you know, where you can drive drive up with your family and kind of watch it and, and have that experience. So, yeah, it's, we're, we're excited about that.
2: All right, guys. Uh, we'd like to uh, thank Carrie Murnion and, and Jonathan Mallott, uh for coming on here and talking about this movie. Uh, it makes me appreciate it even more. And I was already a fan. And I yeah. appreciate you guys uh, coming on here and talking about it. Well, thank you guys very much.
0: It was awesome talking to you. And, um, it, yeah, it's always fun talking about movies. So,
2: yeah, absolutely.
1: And yeah. um, next time you make one, one of these, uh, you got to come back on and we can talk about it because this one was super fun. I can't wait to see what you guys are doing next. Do you have something lined up that you're uh, planning on doing or are you focusing uh, on the release right now and kind of mired in that?
0: We always got a bunch of things brewing. Um, and basically the only thing we can really say right now is that if you like our brand of um, – uh, violent humor, <laughs> uh, that type of stuff. That you'll you'll definitely like the the things we have in the in the oven right now. Um, really intense. Really, really wild rides okay <laughs> right. so you
1: do I- have to come back on then yeah
3: because yeah, we'll we'll we're, we're big fans of your podcast so we'll definitely come back on this, this is yeah. really great thanks so much for going i'm
4: looking forward story. to your thank elderly you. home uh, slasher film oh uh, that's gonna be exciting <laughs> <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> how, did you, how did you know
2: <laughs> uh well this uh, is going to do it for uh for this interview i'd like to thank again carrie Murnian and jonathan malak uh that's chris atkinson barrett sharon jonathan watkins we'll see you next time
1: Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit CinemaSins.com.